welcome to this week's episode of the faith to go podcast your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family my name is david tremaine and i'm the minister of formation at good samaritan episcopal church in san diego california and i'm charlotte pressler and i'm the youth missioner for the episcopal diocese of san diego and it's back to just us everybody we were so happy to have hannah wilder with us for those four weeks of advent but advent is over i mean when you're listening to this it's not technically over because this will come out the sunday before christmas but you know how we do things around here we talk about the gospel for the week coming up this sunday that's approaching which is the first sunday after christmas uh december 27th so if you're listening to this before christmas we hope you're having fun getting prepared and doing all your christmas eve things if you're listening to this friday saturday or sunday merry christmas merry- yeah yeah we hope you're wearing reindeer antlers or something uh and definitely a mask obviously a mask if you're outside so um yeah so we will be talking about uh the gospel for this upcoming sunday december 27th the first sunday after christmas again the 12 days of christmas are the 12 days following christmas and because uh christmas is late in the week this year uh we get two sundays two christmas two sundays after christmas uh, before Epiphany, and then the next liturgical season will be the season after Epiphany, uh, which will be from Epiphany until uh, Ash Wednesday in the beginning of Lent. So that's where we are in our liturgical calendars. And before we get into the gospel, though, we like to check in and see where we saw God this past week. So, Charlotte, would you share with everybody a place where you saw God uh, recently in your work or in your life? You bet. Um I was sharing this with you, but one of the gifts of what I do, the many things I do, is the opportunity to pray with children. And this last week, um, I've been really kind of blown away by the humble authenticity with which they offer prayer. And so when we start, well, before we're going to begin our prayers, I usually ask if there's anything specific we need to pray for. And their prayers come just directly from their heart and whatever bubbles into their mind at that moment. I have prayed for an awful lot of beloved deceased pets, whether those are recently deceased pets or pets that passed within the last two years. Um, I was asked to pray that Santa wouldn't get COVID, Mm -hmm. um, which as we know is more a prayer of the worry that our children are carrying in their hearts right now um, and how we are called to respond to that and create space for that. Because as worried as we are as adults, the children are worried too, maybe in a different way, but, but worried just the same. And the place that I see God in that is the cracking open, the willingness to say it out loud, to not worry about being ridiculous, the gift of unburdening yourself to others and thereby through others to God, and that we all have that opportunity. Sometimes it can feel like our prayers are ridiculous and that we don't even want to say it out loud. (laughs) But right, if we approach that same humble opportunity, that we had when we were children what a gift of connection that is right yeah and what a what a beautiful invitation to not you know try to make something up but just like say whatever is true in prayer mm-hmm. you know no matter who is listening it's it's so nice to just say the thing that is true 
even if yeah. it's total silence or if it's just a couple words, you know, that is a great a reminder from the children about how simple things can be when we when we allow ourselves to be simple. Um, and we would love to hear the simplest or most complex questions you have uh, or comments you have or stories you have or prayers you have from this week of faith discussion or reflection, the week of Christmas uh, leading up to the Sunday after Christmas. You can always email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, www.myfaith2go.org, or you can contact us through or follow us on Instagram at faith2go. And without further ado, we will be getting into the gospel for December 27th, the first Sunday after Christmas, which is an oldie but a goodie, John 1, 1 through 18. Charlotte's going to read it, and then we're each going to take some time to highlight a point and then do a joint point for the third point. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. All right, so we're familiar with this. This is the very first uh, verses of John's Gospel. And John's Gospel is most likely the last Gospel that was written sometime at the the very last decade, or the last, uh, yeah, the last decade of the first century right around the turn of the first century. This is a f- written from a community. You can see like how much more, de- how like developed the theology is here. And if Mark was the first gospel, you see like Matthew and Luke trying to add in an origin story to Mark's gospel. And then you see John trying to add in like an even more origin origin story that like this word was like preeminent that came before everything was the thing through which all things were made. So John's really getting into this kind of temporality thing. So it's interesting to kind of track that movement through the gospels, see how that theology developed about Jesus. This kind of like, we get this kind of like cosmic word thing now um, where Mark was like 
just like boom right into it jesus's ministry he's like doing this thing he's laying hands on people he's like but then this john john god john's jesus is like the word this like cosmic idea and that's actually what i want to talk about is like this way that john's gospel is like playing with playing with time it's kind of like time is kind of John is kind of like interested in kind of this circular kind of non-linear way that time is working. Um, and if we, we look at it, like it can, it can be kind of disorienting, but it's also kind of cool and mysterious and inviting us to a kind of different kind of wondering and exploration of the incarnation. Um, uh, then those Christmas day stories that we heard those infancy narratives of Matthew and Luke. So we hear that, in the beginning was this word, the word was with God, the word was God. All things came into being through this word. And so we think about this word, this word is like the logos, is this Greek idea. It's kind of like Richard Rohr calls it the divine blueprint. It's like the thing, the like guiding principles through which all of creation exists. Like the 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 fabric, the structure, the foundation that undergirds all of creation, the kind of like divine principles of existence, right? And what a crazy idea that 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 thing becomes flesh. That's not that crazy though if you think of that like all things were created through that thing so they all kind of embody that thing in some way. All of creation holds these truths of the universe. Um, And then we get this thing that John says, uh, this, this was, this was the one of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. So we already have this kind of weird playing with time thing, because if at, it's not until the very end that we understand that this word thing is talking about Jesus, you know, it's not till the very last verse, verse 18, that it talks about Jesus Christ at all. Uh, Jesus isn't named until 18 verses in. And so the thing, though, to remember back, remembering back to our Christmas stories and those weeks leading up to Christmas is that John actually comes before Jesus technically in terms of time, in terms of birth. Uh, Elizabeth is like six months pregnant before Mary gets pregnant. So John is born first, and yet he's talking about one who has come before him. So he really is like identifying this word that pre-exists all things, that all things were created through the thing, the like founding principles that undergird all of creation with Jesus. And so it's, it's cool to think about like a, an embodied person stretching before and after time, you know, and, and that like maybe we all have that kind of, we all have a sense of that in ourselves. Like I think we all have a sense in our life that there is something bigger than us that we're trying to figure out you know, and that we have this feeling of like pre-existence and post-existence and existence now. It's kind of all wrapped up together. But what I'm thinking about for today for my, for what I, what was jumping out to me was like this idea of in this Christmas season and that thinking about the incarnation, not in the way of like trying to figure out what God is and then putting like putting those characteristics onto Jesus but that this kind of witnesses to the fact that if the word kind of if the word this divine set of principles that undergird all of creation became flesh and are fully embodied in Jesus 
then we can take Jesus as like the example of what all of those divine truths are. So that mm-hmm. like as so as Christians then we look to we look to Jesus as the example of what these like transcendent universal truths of creation are. And and then and then that can be like our guiding principle, our kind of like guiding ethical principle of how we exist in the world. What kind of what what we lay as the foundation uh, on which we build kind of the truths of our life, the truths of our beliefs, the truths of our ethics, how we exist and and interact with the things around us. And then I think it's really cool. I mean, like jumping to the end of the story, kind of to think about like how the power structures, the kind of oppressive power structures took it upon themselves to try to destroy these like guiding truths which are clearly that that there's something imbued in the universe that that is a force of like justice and liberation and freedom and love and peace and joy and that is like woven through all of creation that that there's not just this creation that god then comes in and like puts goodness into that all of creation was created through these realities of goodness and beauty and truth and peace and justice and joy and love that Jesus embodies and healing, you know? And so, um, that like the power structures try to destroy this thing. But one way of interpreting the resurrection is that those things cannot be destroyed because they are absolute truths of the universe that will always come back. That will always in some way prevail. So, I don't know. I was just thinking about that. That's like the thing that jumped into my head, this kind of way of thinking about incarnation in this season of us talking a lot about the incarnate word and, and Jesus's birth and trying to think about like reverse engineering, you know, what the truths are of the universe from the way that Jesus acts and embodies those things. Well, and I think David, for me, as I was listening, I was thinking about my own life, which is what we do when other people talk, right? Um, But I was thinking about that temptation to think about this as a story that was, Mm -hmm. that we, that our lives are inspired by a story that was, Um, but it really is a story that is, Mm -hmm. right? right? When you consider that, the that it goes on throughout and it in the way we live our lives is part of the story. And I think that that actually goes into my point, which I wanted a couple of weeks ago while Hannah was with us, um, we talked a little bit about testifying um, and testimony and and being a witness. And I want to live into that a little further, especially as we are approaching the end of this calendar year, not the church year that just started, um, but the end of this calendar year. And that in this year that has been challenging for so many, that there is a temptation to think that the end of the calendar year and the changing to 2021 is just going to fix everything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, oh my goodness, when it's no longer 2020, everything's going to be better. And the reality is that it's not going to happen like that, mm-hmm. that we are living in this season of uncertainty for some time still. And that it's important to rect- to recognize the fact that our testimony right now needs to go back to that same place I named in where I saw God, to being authentic 
And maybe there are some things that as this year wraps up that we can tell that we're joyful and we're blessings and for which we are immensely grateful. But those things may not be the same for each of us. And there may be some of us that are grasping to tell any story of hope in Mm -hmm. our lives right now. That doesn't mean that your testimony isn't important, that the way that we testify to the light is by telling our real and true story of where we are. Our relationship to God, as it ever evolves, as it ever changes in all of its discomfort, in all of its messiness, in all of its challenges, in all of its joy, in all of its comfort, our testimony is what allows other people to connect as well. And if we testify from a place that is what we think people want to hear, or if we leave out pieces of who we really are, then that's not testimony. Mm -hmm. That's that's not living truly into our relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, that is not me inviting any of us into a place of wallowing. (laughs) Because I think that naming something as true and real is different, vastly different. Than, than wallowing. Naming something as true that is challenging and hard is an invitation for connection, for help from others, and also an invitation to ourselves to look for a way forward, a way to ask God for help in the challenging and hard places of our lives, and that we are looking for the light that's shining so that we can better connect and we can move through whatever it is we are going through. Mm-hmm. It's n- not an invitation to choose to be stuck forever, mm-hmm. right? That, that our testimony in its authenticity is that it is ever evolving, that where we are today may not be where we are tomorrow, where we are when we are in community, David, may not be where we are when we are by ourselves or when we are with our family or when we are connected to our church, that we have to allow for all of the ways in which we are and all of the ways in which we connect with God and in which we live into this message of the word. Uh Yeah. Yeah, and that that um, I love this that that same part after it says he came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through through him. That like in some way our testimony, when it is authentic to our experience, when it is maybe painfully truthful, um, is a kind of window to those those truths of the universe. They are like a window to help other people testify for themselves or witness for themselves. Um, and I also, and I think this might get into our, our third point. Uh, there is, there is both language in here about testifying and witnessing, but mm-hmm. also language about receiving. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, that's kind of also part, I think of this beautiful interplay of the light and the darkness. Um, maybe the light is, you know, light has its place, but like darkness is this amazingly important, fruitful place of wisdom and mystery. Uh, the unknowability of things, the unknown of things. And so that we, you know, we all are, we all, it's important for all of us to, to testify, um, to witness to who we are, to witness to our truth. But especially for 
for myself as a person that has had so much privilege, so much unearned advantage in my life because of my because of being white, because of being, you know, in a wealthy not not super wealthy, but like middle class upbringing, um my class, my sexuality, my gender, um all of these things, it doesn't mean that my identity is impo- isn't important. It doesn't mean that my witness to my experience isn't important. But my identity, we got this amazing feedback this week from our our uh, episode uh, that you were just referencing from Advent 3 um, about how, you know, like we, I talk about my identity, but it, my identity has never been for me an issue of life and death. You know, it's never mm-hmm. had the intensity for me to claim my identity has not been a challenge, but that so many black indigenous persons of color for them to claim their identity uh, has been a, a issue of life and death. You know, it has been, um, it has, and there has been so much history of people's identities being taken from them, you know, or tried or things or people trying to take their identities from them as a way of oppressing them. So that like, I am also called in my privilege to receive the witness and the testimony of other people telling their truth. And that when that truth makes me uncomfortable, it's not for me to witness right back, but to like live into that, that darkness place that is so important Mm -hmm. to live into the mystery of it and let it grow something new in me, some new kind of awareness that I didn't have before. And David, I think that the other piece of that is that in my point, I talked about how important it is for us to share our testimony, um, even when our testimony is uncomfortable or hard or different than everybody else's around us. But sometimes, especially when we are talking about the challenges of race in our country, sometimes that testimony may be from our Black brothers and sisters. I am tired I am too tired to tell you what you need to know or what you need to do. And when we hear that testimony, because it is testimony just the same, is our opportunity to consider how we respond to it. Mm -hmm. Because we can respond with being offended or disgruntled or having our nose put out of joint. And that is our privilege and our entitlement showing right there. Um, As a white woman, I can certainly say that. Um, But we also have that opportunity then to take that as a charge that we need to do more work, Mm -hmm. that we need to live more fully into what identity looks like for all of us, what testimony looks like for all of us Mm -hmm. and where we are called to grow where we are called to do better. Yeah. And I think that right now that that I definitely am feeling that call mm-hmm. that even every day considering how I can do better is paramount um, to my identity. Mm-hmm. And that's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's hard, but it's certainly not as hard as the work that our Black brothers and sisters have had to do for so long. Yeah, and that there is something all equally powerful and test not just testifying to what you know what you know but testifying to what you don't and and that honest testimony of where your blind spots are you know like where you don't really get it where i don't really understand where i can extend and this goes back to this text grace upon grace to myself and my my growth in becoming a person who can um, 
effectively fight for and push for and witness for justice in the world has to be founded on a foundation of grace and truth-telling and honesty and grace upon grace with myself in that process. Um, mm. And so, and with all the, and with all, everybody, you know, so there's so much room, just trying to create room and space uh, for that unknown and let the light and the darkness play with one another because out of that is like grown a new kind of awareness that out of that, the word becomes flesh more and more. Well, that was three pretty good points. I'd say three pretty good yeah. points uh, for the Sunday after Christmas or the, you know, the week before everybody's tired, you know, give yourself some grace. Um, point number one was mine. It was about, you know, thinking about a ways, ways of thinking about the incarnation of taking Jesus and the example of Jesus, the characteristics of Jesus as the pointers to these like kind of transcendent divine truths of the universe that we are all invited to embody, that we can kind of lay a foundation of our belief and our ethics on in our lives. Number two was Charlotte's and it was about testifying and witnessing and being authentic and humble in our testimony. And number three was a follow-up to that uh, about kind of needing to, creating that space for grace, for compassion, for ourselves to be receivers of testimony, to recognize our places of privilege, to recognize uh, that, you know, that people's testimonies uh, are on kind of like different levels of um, life and death kind of situations uh, in different, in different times, in different places. And that sometimes we are called to testify, sometimes we are called to receive, and sometimes we are called to just cre live in the space between the light and the darkness, knowing that the word is being cultivated and, and fleshed in us. We're invited to a journey. So having heard those three points, uh, we invite you to read this gospel again, John 1, 1 through 18. You can send us any uh, questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion, any feedback at all, anything that prompted uh, pushback or appreciation from what we said, we'd love to hear from everybody. You can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org, or you can contact us through or follow us on Instagram at faith2go. We will be back next week uh, for the second Sunday after Christmas. And until then... We say goodbye and Merry Christmas, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.